0: smash africa keeping you company on five nights seven to ten p.m it's time for us to get into fashion sense and this evening i am joined by the one and only my good brother tato matabani co-founder founder as well as co-owner of African Swiss which was established back in 2006 and in 2014 African Swiss opened its first and Africa's first denim boutique in Joburg. Uh, This was also the year they did their first South African Fashion Week show and they have participated in four seasons of SA Fashion Week uh, and a few shows uh, around South Africa and Africa and they exist to celebrate Africa's rich heritage and culture, to reclaim and celebrate her pride, glory through the medium of denim. Tato matawan welcome to Five Nights, my brother. Umunati, Mr.
1: Smash, Smash, Smash. How you doing, my brother?
0: I'm feeling good, my brother. I haven't spoken to you in a while, man. Yeah, it's been a while, my man. Yeah. You and I go way back. <laughs> I think. Yeah, uh, way way back. <laughs> i think um, um back in 2016 might have been 2017 i i, I stand to be corrected eh, tw- yeah, 2016, 2016 yeah. you you did like some awesome design for me for the durban july i think at the time and then yeah. as you would have it um my first uh, audition on tv i was wearing african swiss i ended up getting the tv job and so, <laughs> <laughs> and now that and now that like i'm a big famous guy i don't even wear african swiss i can't afford african swiss bro uh,
1: no, you can afford 10 items from afghanistan yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's been a beautiful journey, Brad. And you've stayed true to that journey As I said, your brand exists to celebrate Africa's rich heritage and culture In reclaiming and celebrating a pride and glory through the medium of denim My first question for you, Tajo: yeah. Back in 2005, when you were thinking about starting a denim brand yeah. Who were the first people you spoke to about your idea, and uh, how was it received?
1: Yeah, and I never actually spoke about my idea, my oh man. Uh, so what I actually did, uh, 2005, I, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just took, yeah, and I knew I was creative because from high school and and I did fine arts and I was always creative. So what I did in 2005, I used to take my old jeans tear them apart and hand-sew them into well-crafted denim jackets because I didn't know I could do that. Mm. So and once I did that, yeah, and I took uh, some bleach from home, treated them, yeah, and I got scolded a lot. But uh, and what I did was, and after making a few jackets and I would sell them to my friend in my hood in Portia North mm. for, yeah, for, for about 150 bucks.
2: Mm.
1: And and it's when I gave my aunt one jacket, and she cried. I thought, wow. Oh, man. Yeah, and I do have something. I can make something out of this. Then I started exploring the whole idea. And I started... Uh, so my idea was to tell the township story through the medium of fashion. So Ooh. once I fell in love with denim, I thought, why not tell the township story, how I grew up, and why I am the way I am, but through the medium of denim, so that's how it started.
0: Now, denim in any part of the world is a staple. It's something mm. that it's it's like rice or pup.
2: <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs>
0: but you know there are different kind of rice and pups that exist out mm-hmm. there, you know? So so fast forward to like the point where you're like, wait, people love what I'm offering and I'm using my my talent, my creativity. To use what is a staple but give it a new flair. Do you gotta walk me through the name of the brand and also do you remember your first African Swiss two piece or one piece or whatever piece?
1: Yeah, and I do remember my first African Swiss one piece. Yeah, it was actually four pieces or so.
2: hmm
1: So yeah, and it was a, it was a denim jacket. Mm-hmm. Then there was a vest that I made, and I was telling an in story. so I took a picture of a guy selling shoes close to and that's some hostel mm, mm. so yeah, so that time I celebrating uh township entrepreneurship so and it was that jacket, a vest, and what else? yeah, I think it was actually three jackets and. Oh, yeah. And a vest, yeah. yeah. So and how the name came about, at first it was M70. So M70 is the Trezani-Baragwanaf route. Okay. The longest road uh, f- from, Sore to Sharela to Southgate and out of the township. Mm. So that was celebrating. So the whole point was to tell the township story via M70 unto the world. So when I start to to M seventy, then this other day I was with a friend of mine called Sponeno. So he saw some guy and wearing an Spanish and I don't know if he you knew Panja, Spanish- and does not call it Spanish- in English.
0: Uh, it's it's a wrist. It's a wrist band. Let's call it that. A it, traditional wrist band, yes.
1: Yeah, traditional wristband. So he saw some guys wearing someone to and he went on to tease him and he said, This guy is wearing African Swiss and not American Cheers! So, <laughs> I <laughs> so like laughed about yeah, so he laughed about it. Yeah, so laughed about it. Yeah. But and, then, and there was, and then I was sitting alone, and I thought, no, this is quite a catchy word. How can I use it to further explore and what I'm trying to do? So since I'm pro-African, I said, no, man. These, you know, came to Africa they find our minerals, our diamonds, sold them back to us. Hence, we get these American Swiss, but where do they get these minerals? So since I'm all about reclaiming our pride, I said, why not take what's ours and properly narrate our story and sell it back to them, their Westerners? So an African Swiss came to mind and said, this makes sense. I'm, and I'm not stealing, I'm not taking away from anyone, but I'm reclaiming what's ours hence african Swiss. Oh, so now yeah so and i would now tell the african story as a whole and not only the township life because i'm african before i'm from a township or anything like that so hence i said i'm sticking with african swiss and we use the question logo because i believe that we as africans now south africans majority of us originate from the central and western africa and we migrated down to southern africa and who did we find here we found the Khoisan people the original inhabitants of the southern part of africa so i say why not honor these people with a logo so if you can look at our logo and it's Khoisan rock art so i'm forever honoring the Khoisan people via african trees because we found them here and we're always telling us to reform that vantage point oh, and only man. celebrating
0: them. Yeah. Oh man, that is so beautiful, man. And you know what's crazy? Like this information is not available online. Like, it's it's just one of those things. Like, it's such a beautiful story. Now, yeah. now let's 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 take it back while we are there. So, mm-hmm. between two thousand and two thousand and six and two thousand and ten, mm-hmm. what, what was? the journey of building a brand number one also having a a very exclusive brand that speaks to your community and where you come from but getting that brand into the rest of the world how was that journey from uh, for you like between 2006 all the way to 2010 because uh, you know the first four years of a business um yeah. are, are definitely going to be hard so talk uh-huh. me through the hardships that you went through and how you overcame some of those challenges
1: yeah i definitely paid my fees my man so in the one thing I made mistakes but i paid my fees and lots of them mm. yeah so uh, 2006 the brand started, but then I had to learn the in and out of the fashion industry. So and I went to school in South Africa, uh, did uh, and an advanced diploma uh, on an advanced GDB, because I could have done a three-year diploma, but I was bored after a year. So, and, I thought, uh, and, and why not go into the fashion world and learn practically what's happening? So, and I learned some... Oh, and I went to and uh, wallet. I did and recognizing for about a year so this could prepare me for when I have a store mm. yeah, and which we did have in 2014 so and I did that for about two years and after that I went to work for some fishing houses for about three years and learned about tailoring about how the fishing industry actually works
2: so mm, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I did that for about four years but then while I was doing that I was also looking at ways of improving African history. So and I would do t-shirts and with question faces, telling their the personal story and African story. And then need and, and some craft, some, yeah. So between 20, 2000 and 2010, and I learned a lot about fashion, Mm-hmm. By, by yeah, by working for some fashion houses and rulers. Then in 2013, I think that's when I thought I was ready. And I met the guys that I worked with at African Swiss. Then in 2013, and I wrote them in as my partners,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we opened our first flagship store mm-hmm. in 2013. And the rest is history. And between that, some investors in. I got stuck, left with a lot of the debt, partners split. And and if I was weakened I could have quit in 2011 already and went to work at checkers or something. But I mm. told myself that this is a legacy that I want to build. And this is something that I want uh, these coming generations, my children, my grandkids, to be proud of and say, "Wow, Coco worked hard to build this brand and it should be an international brand that Africans can be proud of. Because it's a legacy, it's an African heritage. It will tell our African story ourselves, and not let Westerners tell our story through their eyes.
0: Now, I I, I know you said a lot in that, in terms of your journey, ups and downs, and challenges. But I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back. So you are <laughs> you, you you are doing. You have a full time job, which requires mm-hmm. you to be either at work five days a week or six days mm-hmm. a week. When do you find time to work on African-Swiss, which is your passion? And it's not your passion project. It's, it's what you believe in. You feel like, as you just said, a legacy for your children, grandchildren, and everybody else who hears and finds out about your story. When did you find time and how much time did you invest in African-Swiss while you were still working for a paycheck?
1: Yeah, and I was lucky enough, uh, because for the years that I worked under, on oh, an area of session house, yeah, and I won't name it, but, mm. and I was lucky enough because the guys that employed me allowed me to pursue my passion as well. Mm. Because his grandma was also starting, so I was an operations manager and hurting a lot to find uh, the... Uh, and Any brand footing. So and while I was doing, that he allowed me to search myself as well and to see where I wanna take the brand. And because at some point he wanted to partner with me mm. in other So So and, yeah, and he helped me quite a lot. Because under that, and I would do. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I would do uh, some fashion shows and I would do the future shirts and I'd meet a lot of celebrities through working under that brand. So that three years. I could work and try to see how African Swiss would fit into the fashion industry. So by the time I was done working at that company, I was ready completely and I knew what I wanted to do with African Swiss.
0: So you could easily say that destiny, or it was your destiny for African Swiss to be the brand that it is today in spite of your challenges, correct?
1: Yes, Definitely.
0: Now, let's talk about how you went about picking your partners. <laughs> this one is nice. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't like this one. <laughs> uh, we don't need to mention no names, okay? Yeah, thank so, yeah. We don't need to mention no names because you are leading this interview. I'm just here with the questions. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah. <laughs>
1: how
0: how did you go about picking the people you you partnered with in the early days of African Swiss? What informed your decision to pick and choose those people.
1: Uh, they actually picked me. I wear Natato. Yeah, he picked me. So when you saw me and and while I was working for the and under that fashion house I was wearing an African Swiss T shirt. So this particular this particular guy and was an understudy to some stylist. So he became while we were doing some project. And so my teacher said, wow, that's quite catchy, African-seas, african So So I started explaining to him. Mm. So he said, and I'd like to work with you sometime. So I said, uh, okay, it us see what you got. So and after I left that uh, company and he gave me a call, said no. And I've got an idea and I'm a good marketer and I think I'm a good marketer. So he did this entire presentation, how he can help improve the, the I said, no, cool, come. So what I did, uh, blindly or not, and I gave him equal shares, he came with his partner, and he came with his partner. So I th- I thought then that uh, my were was direction and being a designer, so he could speak, he could market the brand, and his partner was good with admin. So we partnered in that way, and I gave them equal shares. I gave them, I didn't even sell them, because I thought we were going to build this major brand. And it worked. But only for a year. And within that year, and, and Africans were famous, and we were featured in articles all over Africa, and we worked with some artists from the U.S., we did a fashion week, so and everything was great. But the problem was, there was a division vision now, because I had this particular vision, so this guy had his own vision now, and the other one had his particular vision, so it was no longer about building a brand and a legacy. Some wanted to be famous, and I didn't want to be famous. I just wanted the bank account to be larger than life. So we split and they pursued their own thing.
0: And what did that teach you about business and about yourself?
1: It taught me a lot that I'm too generous. Oh no.
0: (laughs) Generosity (laughs) is not a bad thing, no?
1: Yeah, it is a bad thing if you don't. Uh, if you're not if you don't see the worth in your brand and if you don't do due diligence because I just gave away shares because I didn't believe enough in the brand I thought no, it's still a small brand so if I give them equal shares then we could build it into this particular brand but I'm not really taking uh, because what happened happened and it yeah, until some fruitful moments, and lot. So mm-hmm. I learned a lot, that but I also know now that you can't just give away shares. You can't just say, come on board, this. Because I worked hard to build this brand. The energy that I put in since 2006, if I could monetize it, there's a value in it. So had I thought about that first and weighed things and did some due diligence, I wouldn't have done what I did. Case, though.
0: Ah, man, I really love that. And you know what I also love most about what you just said, bro, is like someone else is listening to this conversation and they can pick up from your experience and your journey that mm. if things are not calculated, thought through, um, intentions put in place, especially from a business side of things, um, the vision might might be skewed, might be blurred. Therefore, Mm. it would lead to African-Swiss not existing. What is your routine like? Like, first thing you do in the morning, um, and then the last thing you do before you go to bed. Just walk me through it, my brother.
1: First thing I do in the morning... and obviously open my eyes a a slight (laughs) meditation (laughs) a a slight meditation uh, yeah and cleaning everything and thanking God about thanking God in advance Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah yeah, and about everything what he has given me what he is about to give me and yeah that's how my day goes then off to the studio Mm
2: -hmm.
1: to meet up with my team Start working, planning for the day, the day after, and the entire week. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so when I have to purchase some material and fabrics, then I leave my team at the studio and go to my suppliers and go in the store. Or I go to some interviews, go to do some consultations. Then five o'clock. We knock off unless i have some clients that want to come straight after work so they usually stay at the studio probably till after six or so mm. yeah that's I, a daily routine
0: i like that so you're working five days a week seven days a week six days a week, <laughs> seven,
1: days a week. Okay. <laughs> uh, seven days a week you
0: don't have time to rest oh my word you, that's some no,
1: cr- i don't have time to rest
0: that's some crazy stuff bro let's talk about uh, the business of fashion and the importance of school and the value that brings. And when I say mm. school, um, furthering your studies, you know, at university mm. or at a college, in order to advance your business, especially if you have a fashion brand. What mm. do you have to say to that?
1: Yeah, I think it's quite important. So, to, and it's one thing to be, uh, and mean, one thing being creative, art you have to fuse that with some business sense. So you can't just be a charity without any business sense and think that you'd run a good brand. So I had to learn that there hard. Way. Sure, and I went to school and did an advanced certificate in fashion, mm. but that wasn't enough. But what set me apart from my colleagues is that I... Uh, and I was uh, and, and I had a few brands for quite a few years, so... That helped me a lot. And the information that I learned under those brand, that information you can learn from school as well. Because I have some guys who have diplomas in fashion design, who went to VETS Tech, who went to UJ, who went to TUT and all of that. But most of them gave up. Mm. And some of them come to me for information, but they've got more qualifications than I do. Mm. So I always make it a point that I learn something new every day about the business of fashion. There's YouTube, there's internet, so you can learn anything you want to learn. I learn new techniques about jeans, about how uh, and how to make different cars, and I go to the mall to send in, I go to the cheese stores, I go to diesel stores. I always keep myself upskilled and updated about the fashion trend, especially in denim. So, because if you don't do that... Then you stay behind. so I know that uh, I have to keep myself abreast and keep myself in the same level as my competitors or even beyond that, mm. if I want to be relevant mm. in the yeah, yes, in this industry. so it, and education is quite important, and whether it be formal or informal, but as long as you're educating yourself and you're keeping yourself upskilled each and every day, that's quite important,
0: mm, I like that mm. now you have a new partner in the business mm-hmm. it's, yes. it seems like you don't you don't like riding solo number one <laughs> 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 you, you always say that I gotta get someone mm-hmm. to. <laughs> who who is your new partner now and and how long have they have they been your partner?
1: My new partner is my better half.
0: Mm-hmm. Who's that?
1: My partner is my better half. You don't know your name. No,
0: I mean, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't reveal people's names. So, but you can tell us who, like, your better half is. Is your better half your 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 son, your daughter? Uh, is it like, a, is it your wife? Is it your partner? What, what's the story? Tell us, tell us, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's my wife and best friend.
0: Oh, that's dope, man. So it's a family yeah, it's business probably- now.
1: Yeah, it's a family business, and how it came about because uh, she has always understood what the brand stood for. Mm. And I thank the brand as well for bringing us together. Mm. And, and had it not been for African we wouldn't be together because she was the first person to give me an interview while we opened the door, and I said something that charmed her. Mm. Yeah, since yeah, and I said something quite intelligent and she thought, Oh this guy, man, this guy <laughs> so that's how it's Yeah, so and I think I African this for that. So yeah, and after failing with a few partners and getting into trouble, owing a lot of uh, people a lot of money, she set me down as well. She's always been my voice of sense. Mm. Yeah, she's always telling me, Stop after this partner, stop just stop And, uh, yeah, she says stop allowing each and everyone who wants to give you $250,000 and letting them into the business and giving them the major shares in the business. Because you're killing yourself in the business. So, and I was quite stubborn though, because then I thought my kids have to eat, I have to support my family. But then after a while and getting into trouble, I finally listened and I thought, why not? Mm. bring her into the business because she knows the brand very well. She's quite passionate. She knows that every cent that we make is going towards the family and we're building a legacy here. And she has my interest at heart. Yeah, so we started working together, I think, in 2019. But then me as a Torian and being stubborn, she'd tell me things I would listen, I'd want to do things by myself because of my trust issues from the past. And mm-hmm. that, yeah, that messed up our relationship, in our business relationship quite a bit. But then I, that, and I had to learn to trust and to let go gradually. But then I'm in a better space now. And really are taking this brand to greater heights because now I'm more mature, I'm more trusting. And I'm giving her more leeway now. And I'm giving her more freedom. And I'm listening more to her now. Mm. Because she is a woman, she is she's quite intuitive, and she's got my best interest at heart. Mm. So she's a great leader, and I'm letting her take my hand. I take her hand, and we're taking this quite far because we've got a lot planned for the business.
0: Oh man, speaking of which, what does the future of African Swiss look like according to you? You've got two minutes. Tell me what's on your mind. What's the story? what's
1: Let me paint a clear picture for you, my man. Uh African Swiss in all major cities in South Africa. The V&A Waterfront, Mall of the South, Mall of Africa, Sentin City, Michelangelo, African Swiss flagship store. So in African Swiss... Lifestyle brand, not only doing denim but lifestyle product, denim wear, houseware, interior design, everything. African Swiss, major cities, Rwanda, African Swiss, Dubai, African Swiss, Morocco, African Swiss, Egypt, African Swiss, Milan, African Swiss, Amsterdam, Scandinavian countries, Japan, Atlanta, L.A., Hollywood, African Swiss all over the world, doing lifestyle and. We are positioning Africans as a brand that Africans can be proud of. We want to show people that you can wear an African and everything produced in Africa, within SADC, within the African continent and still give you that quality that diesel can give you or any other international brand because we are international as well. Mm. So, we are positioning ourselves that way and soon it's going to happen. African Africans is, is going to be everywhere. So, Whenever you switch on your radio, African Suisse. When you pull down your window, driving along the freeway, billboards, African Suisse. Switch on your radio, African Suisse. Switch on your TV, African Suisse. When you sit down, African Suisse couch. When you wear your clothes, African Suisse. We want to conquer all your five senses, my man, and your six senses, as well. We think we're going to give you. Oh, man. That's African Suisse for you.
0: Yo, man, from your lips to God's ears, I foresee all those things coming your way with African-Swiss. You are, you are light. You are an inspiration and you are resilient, Tato. And I appreciate you, my brother. You keep on shining bright and don't you dare think of dimming that light.
2: Five nights with Smash Africa. Smash Africa.